0: This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And uh, hello, dear friends. How in the world are you? You doing all right? I trust everything's all right at your house. I've just been praying that God would make the message a blessing to someone And oh, if it fits your need, then that prayer will have been answered. We're looking at Mark chapter 8. We began with verse 14, where the disciples only had with them one small flat barley loaf of bread, nothing else to eat. The Lord Jesus said, seemingly out of nowhere, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. I spent the last broadcast trying to explain what the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod is. The word leaven is our word yeast, and in the Bible it's a symbol of impurity. So uh, the thing about the Pharisees that you're to avoid is hypocrisy, the idea that you you can put on a good face on the matter and get away with it and still be spiritual. The leaven of Herod is the idea that God's word and God's message isn't enough. You have to You have to have politics as well in order to achieve God's purpose. And the last time we got together, we were just saying that if you'll get people to be right with God, politics will follow. Because if people are right in their hearts, their relationships with government will also be right. And having said that, I have to say also, don't forget to vote. You can't sit back and grumble about the liberals and the communists and people with whom you may disagree one way or another while you're sitting at home and not voting. So don't forget to vote when it's election time. Well, now, the uh, the disciples heard him say this, and they reasoned among themselves, saying, What is he saying that for? Why, it's because we don't have anything to eat. We haven't any bread with us." Now, from the distance of 2,000 years, we smile and say, How stupid. But remember, uh, these people were up against the daily uh, fact, the hard fact that they didn't have any income. They didn't have any sure source of sustenance. And uh, therefore, uppermost in their minds was, where are we going to have anything to eat? And so immediately they said, well, he's talking about leaven because we haven't got anything to eat. Now, he, when Jesus knew it, he said, Why reason ye? Because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet? Neither understand? Have your hearts yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not? Having ears, hear ye not? Do ye not remember? When I broke the five loaves among the five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They said, Twelve. And the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. He said, How is it that you do not understand? Now, you see, they still didn't realize that when you are working with the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the key to the supply of need. Not what you have, but what he has and what he is. They had one small barley loaf. It wasn't any harder for the Lord Jesus Christ to feed them with one loaf of bread than it would have been for him to feed a crowd of 5,000 with five loaves. Was it? They didn't realize that. He said, how is it that you don't remember? Small thought here. You know you can encourage yourself greatly in the Lord by remembering what He has done for you. If you read your Bible, you'll find that biblical prayers are full of this kind of harking back to what God has done before. Lord, you did this and this and this and this. You took care of your people in the wilderness. You fed them. You brought water to them. You took care of them. You fought their battles for them. Now, Lord, do it again. It will strengthen your faith if now and again you look back and just thank God for what he has done. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, the Bible says. Uh, God looks for people to say thankful. Thank you. His his quarrel with the heathen is not that they are heathen, but that they didn't give him his place as God and they weren't thankful. Romans chapter 1 says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Thanklessness is one of the trademarks of the sinful nature. And thankfulness is one of the trademarks of the new nature. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, says Paul. And so it will help you, beloved, and some of you need this right now. I don't know who it is, obviously, but somebody needs to be reminded that although you've, you're you down in the dumps now and you feel so distressed and depressed and discouraged and there doesn't see any, seem to be any way out, just take a moment or two and look back and see how God has answered prayer before. See how merciful he's been to you. See how he's spared you in different situations. See how he has led you. When you were asking for guidance, see how he's answered different, different prayers, and then thank him for all of that. You'll find your faith is reaching out, and you are enabled to believe God for, for help in this present situation. Anything I tell you, I've been there, I've done this, what I've just told you to do, I know it works. Start praising God, and you'll open the door to faith. Well, it says, you don't remember, they had forgotten already what he had done before. And that then led to their distress in the present set of circumstances. If you forget what God has done for you before, it will lead you to distress under pressure. But if you remember what God has done for you before and praise him for it, you can begin to trust him for his help in the present situation. Reasoning. Well, you're always wrong when you try to figure, figure God out on a human basis. Mark chapter 2, they reasoned in their heart, how can this man say your sins are forgiven? Who can forgive sins but God only? They were reasoning on the wrong basis. Who was there in their midst? The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, God in the flesh, the creator. All things were made by him, says John, and without him was not anything made that was made. The word, the living word of God, right there in their midst. But they were reasoning on the wrong basis. In Luke, uh, Mark, it is, 1131, they reasoned in their hearts, how shall we answer this question about authority? Why? Because, again, they were questioning the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to teach and to do miracles and all of that. By what authority are you doing this? Who are you? We don't believe you're anything at all. You got to prove it to us. Well, he asked them a question, and says they reasoned in their hearts, "How shall we answer?" He's 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 given us the horns of a dilemma. We can't answer either way. Human reasoning failed again in dealing with the divine. Then in Luke nine, there was a passage, line nine forty six. There was a reasoning among them, uh, who should be the greatest? See the uh, reasoning uh, about spiritual and uh, and pecking order priorities. Always wrong when you start out that way. When you start out to be greater, you end up being lesser. <laughs> I remember hearing many years ago somebody saying to me, now we're going to be in this basketball game, fellas, and whenever you get the ball, pass it to me, because i got to look good. <laughs> I winced at the moment, and I still do. Bless his heart. I wonder if he ever learned that you don't have to look good, you just have to be good. Well, all right. Anyhow, the the reasoning there about who should be greatest, again, human reasoning always falls short when you try to reason your way through spiritual priorities. And then, of course, in Luke 20, uh, verse 14, the story that the Lord Jesus told about the, the husbandmen who didn't want to give up the owners share of the harvest and they killed the messengers and finally he sent his son this of course was a was a was a an obvious reference to the lord jesus christ finally he sent his son and they said let's kill him and we'll have the inheritance for ourselves reasoning when you're trying to reason your way out of conviction and your your religious and spiritual obligations the only thing that reason lets leads you to do is to say, let's get rid of God altogether. See, unbelief, I learned this from David Morgan, my dear friend of many years. He said to me one day, unbelief cannot rest until it is organized in opposition to God. Unbelief cannot rest until it is organized in opposition to God. And that certainly is true every time. So they reasoned. Reasoning when you're trying to figure out God's ways is wrong. Do your praying and your believing first, and then God will explain it to you. If any man will do his will, John seven seventeen is the verse. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. First, you commit yourself to God. Second, he shows you himself and his way. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. First, you commit yourself to God. First, you yield to His will as you understand it. First, you believe His word. First, you accept His saving mercy. Then, He begins to enlighten your mind and your heart so that you can understand the things of eternity. The natural man, that's the unsaved person, uh, or the old nature, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for it is foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Don't be surprised because the unsaved person doesn't understand your commitment to the Lord. He can't until he meets the Savior and says, as Saul of Tarsus did, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? So reasoning always leads you to a dead-end street. It's commitment first, then use your brains. See, faith is not illogical, and faith is not anti-intellectual, and faith is not blind credulity, as some people would have you believe. Faith is a commitment to a person. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And as you're facing something impossible, many of you are, I know you're going through it right now. And as you're facing some impossible burden or need or trial or heartache or whatever it may be, don't try to think your way through it. First, commit yourself to your blessed Lord. Absolutely. And then as you wait before him, let him whisper to you what he wants you to do next. Good idea. Oh, somebody needs this so badly just now. You've been trying to think and trying to reason, and your brain is weary, and you're bitter about what's happening to you, and you wonder if you should deserve all this, and of course, the answer is no, you don't deserve it. You deserve much worse. All of us, if we got our just desserts, would already be in hell. So let's not think in terms of do I deserve it. Let's think in terms of what does God have for me out of all of this. Let's begin to commit ourselves to our loving Heavenly Father through faith in the Lord Jesus. Even though we may not understand the circumstances, let's commit ourselves to Him. Faith is not credulity. It's not fooling yourself. It's not kidding yourself. Faith is commitment to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And when you do that, Then you begin to understand. He said, Paul prayed for the people at Colossae. He said, I'm praying for you that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. When you give yourself to Jesus, you begin to learn. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you commit yourself to the Lord, you begin to learn God's ways. Dear Father, today... Wilt thou make us the kind of people who commit themselves to thee so that thou canst teach us thy ways. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.